Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. All right, you guys ready to start a brand new series, Take Back Your Life? Okay, a couple of you. Um, a couple years ago, we did this staff outing, so our whole staff for the church went, and I didn't plan this thing, so it was kind of a surprise, not in terms of what we were doing, but like how legit it would be, because we were going to go go-kart racing, and I was thinking like um, Disney World go-karts, maybe without the thing down the center, but that's probably what we're looking at, uh, if you've ever done Disney go-kart riding, and it was nothing like that. Like, you get there, and these are the go-karts, if you've ever done them, that are really fast. I mean, maybe not to you, but I'd never done this before. You have to sign a waiver, and in the waiver somewhere, is like, there's a 50 50 shot, you're going to die today. Like that kind of go-karts, you know what I'm talking about? And so um, I was incredibly nervous because I've never done this before. And I don't like to take unnecessary risks, like things that are, you know, could kill me. I mean, not, it's not likely, but it could happen. And so we get in there. The first time I pressed on the gas, it was nerve wracking. Like I felt like this is like, it's like a little car. And so inevitably I cut one of the corners um, and we're like a couple turns into it. And that thing gets off the ground, which they shouldn't be able to do. Like, I don't think that's a part of it. Like, that's not safe. There should be special training for this thing. It gets off the ground. And then there's that horrifying moment. I don't care what it is in life. When you are just in some kind of situation where you are out of control. And I'm thinking in the two seconds that probably I'm in the air. Number one, I hope I land upright. And number two, I hope that I don't land on anybody else um, from our party or anybody else who's racing right now. And so I finally come to the ground and I do land upright, but I do not miss all of the other go-kart racers um, that are racing that track. And I, I mean, I slam into another car that kind of gets sideways. And I don't remember everything that happened, but it was hard. And I like, it felt I know you think I'm over-exaggerating this, but it felt like a car crash. Like it was just like this jolt, my car hits it and then gets up on two wheels and it finally rests where I'm like on top of the other go-kart and then two of my wheels are spinning. And there's that moment of like, okay, like I'm good, I'm alive, I didn't topple over and like break my neck. And then I go to look over my go-kart to see who I'm on top of and if they're okay, only to realize that of all the people that I could have run into and all the people that I could have landed my go-kart on top of, it was my wife's go-kart who came on the staff outing. And um, in that moment, there was language unleashed at me that should not be unleashed by any pastor's wife. And <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know if that was true. But what, what is true is from that moment on, like that, that necessitated a string of 12 months of chiropractic appointments. Sometimes I think every other week and she was bitter the entire year. Like she would just leave the house. I'm going to a chiropractor appointment again. Do you know why? Like, yes, I know why. Like they shouldn't let people drive those things. It wasn't my fault. They didn't properly train me. It's way too dangerous. So anyway, my point in all that is number one, you do that if you want. It's crazy to me. Number two, like it's kind of how our life gets sometimes. Unfortunately, like you have these moments where it just feels out of control and it's kind of, we'll just see where this goes. 
Like, I don't know if I can, I can't do anything about this. My hands are off the wheels. And, and you kind of almost get resigned to, this is where we are. I can't do anything about it. And so we'll just see how it plays out. And so that, that could look like a number of different things, man. For you, it might be school's not gone the way you had hoped it would. And you're kind of the place of just giving up. Um, for others of us, it's anxiety that keeps overpowering, it's infecting and impacting some of the relationships that matter most to you. And it's like, you've tried stuff, you went to counseling. Um, for others of us, it may be some insecurity. And you're not even sure maybe where you picked that up, but there's insecurity that you're constantly creating mechanisms for to kind of cope with. Um, for others of us, it's like a money thing and you keep vowing that I'm gonna get this in order, we're gonna do better, and then you keep going into debt and then you vow that you're gonna do better and then you keep going into debt. Or it's just like you get to some place where you're kind of, because of your past, maybe living as a victim because, yeah, this maybe isn't right, but I kind of feel like this is what I deserve because of my past. And I've maybe grown a little bit cynical. I've, I've just kind of given in to where I'm at. But all of us have been there. And here's where I want to give you a little bit of good news or a little bit of hope. You are not alone and you are not unique. You are not alone and you are not unique. Here's the thing, when some of your life or part of your life feels out of control, we immediately feel alone because the natural kind of inclination is to look at somebody else that looks like their life is in control or that area where we're out of control, they're in control of. And the reality is it's not true. Like all of us at one point or another, there's been some things that are out of control and we never highlight those things. Like nobody, when they're Instagramming their new cars, like, hey, by the way, we can't afford this, but isn't it amazing? Like, there's a picture. Nobody does that. Like you just highlight the stuff that you are in control of and you downplay everything else. Like Jesus even made us this promise. And this is really important to come back to again and again. In this world, you're gonna have trouble. And he wasn't just referring to like trouble that is created for you. There's a lot of that everywhere that we can point to. He's even talking about trouble that you're gonna create for yourself because this is just real. We live in a sin-infested world, sin-infested planet. It affects everything. So it affects what others do. It affects what we do. So it's just a promise that that is going to come. But here's where it becomes a real problem, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, is when all of a sudden you start to condition yourself where you just kind of live in a rut where you are and you start to identify more with the dysfunction or the disappointment around you than you identify with anything else. Because Jesus actually also promised, I want you to live a life with love, joy, and peace. And that wasn't conditional on things working out because most of the seasons of our life, there's something that's not working out. That was in the midst of life, even when there is trouble, I want you to live this kind of life. I want you to have this kind of perspective because when he promised you're gonna have trouble, it's not the only thing he said, like finish the verse. But take heart, I have done what? Overcome the world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the reality. Like you have the spirit of God inside of you. Weird if you're trying to figure this whole thing out and so you can just dismiss that, seems ethereal, but it's just true, we believe. Jesus walked out of a grave alive and when we place our faith and trust in him, the scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. And so Jesus in this moment is go, stuff is gonna hit the fan, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Meaning I am in control when you are out of control, which means you do have the ability to take back control even if your circumstances do not change. And that's really the foundation of the series is that you can take back your life. Like there is a way to move forward. But here's where a lot of us get stuck is when something starts to happen in our life, we do one of two things. We either auto-correct or autopilot. 
Meaning something happens and we're tempted to just give up and go, I can't make it through this. I can't persevere. This is not what I imagined. Or we auto-correct, meaning we immediately go to work like, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? What do I need to fix? How do I get out of this? How do we move forward? Like, what do I need to do? That's a wrong question. In fact, it's a bad question. Because for many of you, you've been on this cycle of, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna try harder, I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna behave more. And it all always has a short shelf life because the question is not, what do I need to do when you get stuck? The question is, what do I need to think? Because your behaviors are driven by your thinking. And for most of us, we try to concentrate on how we're behaving or what we're doing or how disciplined we are or, you know, I just need to do better. But we never change anything at the core level of how we think. But how you think ultimately determines everything else in your life. And honestly, the church is notorious for this because we love to do this. It's like you go to camp and you throw a stick in your fire and somebody's playing an acoustic guitar not very well and like everybody gets emotional and there's crying. It's amazing. I'm never gonna do this again and we're gonna sign a pledge and like, Jesus, I surrender. And then our invitations are always like, you need to commit, you need to behave, you need to get it better, you need to try harder, you need to surrender. And it lasts like two weeks. And then we're right back where we were before because we commit and we discipline and we try, but we don't change anything where it really matters at the level of how we should think. And so taking back your thoughts is the first step in terms of taking back your life because your thoughts direct your entire life. They direct how you respond to people. They direct how you see circumstances. They direct your view of the events of the world around you. Like everything in your life, even your emotional health is driven by ultimately how you think. And if you are gonna take back any area of your life, it starts with taking back your thoughts. This is actually said by Paul like 2,000 years ago. He's writing to a group of uh, Roman Christians and he says this, and you maybe know these really famous words. He's like, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And when Paul is saying this, he's talking in the context of how you think and then how your thinking ultimately impacts how you're living. And so he says, I don't want you to conform to the pattern of this world. And when he talks about world, here's basically what Paul's talking about. It's this huge idea in all of scripture is that the world that he's referring to is broken. And it's not like the world just that you see, it's everything. That when sin entered the world, and maybe you're not like sin, I'm not sure if I believe in that yet, okay, great. But at some level, I bet at some point you've looked around and gone, it shouldn't be that way. That shouldn't happen, that doesn't seem right. I don't know why the world works that way. The scripture just calls that sin entering the world and damaging everything. So now world systems are broken, nature is broken, Paul talks about in Romans, and we're broken. And we're broken at an emotional, physical, spiritual, and even mental level. And so in the context of your thinking, here's really what Paul is saying, that there is a broken pattern of thinking that all of us are susceptible to. And if you are not aware of it, you will be led down that road and ultimately it's gonna impact all of your life. So if you wanna change your life, you have to be aware of the patterns of thinking in this broken world that are leading you in places that ultimately you don't wanna go. Now, here's what I love about this is that science has come along and confirmed exactly what Paul says. So some of you grew up in this uh, kind of environment maybe where it was Christianity or science, it was Jesus or science. There was this false dichotomy between intellectualism or science or psychology and Christianity. That doesn't actually exist. It's a myth. 
and in some circles we've perpetuated that anti-intellectualism. Actually, science is completely compatible with Scripture, and in fact, science is just the study of how God did it. There's never any conflicts. This, this is how God did it. And we're constantly finding that out. God didn't tell us all of that. So science and psychology and philosophy, all of it is compatible with the scripture. So if you walked away unnecessarily because you thought you had to choose one or the other, that doesn't exist. You can actually come back. And so in science, it actually confirmed exactly what Paul says is that every time you think a thought, just hang with me for a second. Every time you think a thought, there is a neurochemical reaction that your brain has. Every time you think a thought. And if you think that thought long enough, if you keep coming back to that thought, that neurochemical reaction ultimately creates this pathway that becomes a neuropathway in your brain that makes those thoughts easier and easier to flow. So you think a thought, it creates a neurochemical reaction which literally starts to rewire your brain. And then the more you think that thought, the more that that thought starts to create what Craig Rochelle talks about in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, it starts to create a rut, it starts to create a divot, it starts to create a neural pathway in your mind. So the next time that thought flows even more easily, that thought flows even more automatically. It's like my kids um, in our backyard, they have a, a four-wheeler that's on battery. If you heard my earlier story, it goes not that fast. And they drive it around the backyard and they've driven this thing so much, it gets just enough speed that it'll like create these divots in the yard. And so now they get in that thing and they, they fly around as much as a battery powered four wheeler will fly around. And they just, they almost follow that pathway and those divots without thinking about it. The, the four wheeler just goes that direction because they've created ruts in the ground. They've created pathways. Anytime they get out of that, it gets really, really rough. It's just easier to stay on that path. It just automatically flows that direction. The same is true of your mind and your thinking. And then over time, your reticular activating system, which is the part of your brain that will take thoughts, will take these neuropathways, and then it will go to work to find information or supporting information, evidence, and circumstances that will confirm what you already believe till eventually you will respond, you will think, and you will view circumstances almost without thinking about them. It just becomes automatic, almost feels like it is who you are, whether it's that emotional thing, whether it's that relationship, whether it's that thing where you give into that habit and then you start to go into your response mechanisms when that insecurity comes up, when you start to think about those things from your past, what is happening is you have created a neurochemical reaction, a neuropathway, the thoughts flow through so, so easily that it almost becomes automatic and you go back to those thoughts again and again and again and again and it almost becomes who you are. And so Paul says, do not conform or be aware of the broken patterns of thinking of this world. And for some of you, you've never stopped to think about that. It, it was maybe brought on by a divorce Others of you, it was brought on by something that was told to you when you were 13. For others of you, it was some decisions that you've made. Others of you, it was this cynical kind of victim mentality worldview that was given to you by a grandparent. And all of a sudden, you begin to repeat those over and over and over again, where it's almost your natural response to circumstances. And Paul's like, there's a better way. Do not conform to the pattern of these, this world. But then the second part of it, but anybody know this verse? But be what? One more time, just so I know you're with me. But be what? by the renewing of your mind. Or literally, that word renewing means I want you to renovate, I want you to restore, I want you to identify the wrong patterns and I want you to replace them with brand new patterns. And this is going to require work. Has anybody ever renovated anything? It's hell. 
It will end your marriage. It's when my wife and I got married, we bought a dilapidated um, townhouse as a short sale that needed a lot of work. And I'm just telling you, that was the, maybe the worst couple months of our life in our marriage trying to do that thing. And maybe you're better. It did not work for us. Like, it is hard. You got to rip out everything that's old. You got to put everything back in that's new and it's exhausting and it's tiring. But Paul, that's the idea. I want you to, I want you to identify what patterns you're giving into almost automatically and then I want you to transform your thinking by renewing or renovating your mind, which literally means I want you to begin to do the hard work of creating new neural pathways in your mind that you begin to respond to. And I love the promise. And if you do that, because here's the thing, there's a bunch of your circumstances you can't control. There's outcomes you can't control. There's things that you have no ability to manipulate. And God's going, I understand that. But you can control how you respond and you can control how you react, and you can control how you think, and if you are willing to do the hard work of controlling what you can control, here's the promise. You will be transformed, which means that's not something that you do. It is something that happens to you. You will be transformed by God himself. So he's going, listen, I've given you the ability to control something at the level of your thoughts, and when you decide to take that seriously, I will get involved to do what you can't do, which is to transform your life, transform your identity, and transform how you see the world around you. And then Paul says it this way. You guys still with me? Or are you just like, how am I getting in my car without getting soaked? Because I know that's where your mind thinks. I immediately saw you leave. So I don't know. You go back and podcast that last part. It was good. Um, Paul says this next. And I just want to bring this to the surface because then from there, he goes to this really military language when he's writing this letter to Corinthians who were, I don't know if you know about them, if you've been around the church thing, they were out of control. So he's like, if you guys are gonna change anything, this is what you have to do. You have to realize that you are in a war. You are in a battle. This is not gonna come easy. And honestly, it's easier to make a resolution or commitment or a discipline than it is to do what I'm calling you to do. But this is where things begin to change in your life. Like, here's the reality. If you don't know you are in a fight, you could get dropped to the mat every single time. Even if you got 50 pounds on somebody. Um, when I was like probably middle school age, I, my best friend, he was over at my house all the time. Um, I got these boxing gloves for Christmas and so we were gonna try them out. And again, he's got 50 pounds on me, easy. Maybe it was more than that. So we get on my trampoline, we're getting our boxing gloves on and I don't know why this came over me. It was shady, it wasn't right. But I just thought like if, we, if he actually engaged in this, like he could drop me, maybe knock me out. And so as he's finishing getting his glove on, I'm just like, I just wanna get one good punch in. And so as shady and like not as not right as this is, I just, with everything I had in me, I just right upper hook and I caught him. And I, this guy has 50 pounds, I dropped him to the trampoline mat. And then I jumped off and I ran as fast as I could away from the trampoline because I knew if he returned, that would be over. And my point is just this, and I shouldn't tell those stories about myself, but this is, if you don't know there's a fight, you have no ability to win that fight. So Paul uses this language, for we live in the world, but we don't wage war as the world does. In fact, the world in terms of the systems, the brokenness, the broken thinking, we don't even know things are broken a lot of times. But, but verse four, but the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. You know what the weapons of this world are? Do better, try harder, look at what's in front of you and try to change it. And Jesus is drawing a contrast. That's not what this is about. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they, talking about Jesus followers, are weapons. 
What Christ has given us has divine power. Can we just stop there for a second? Because you have heard that so many times, it doesn't even register for some of you. He's like, listen, you keep fighting the way everybody else is fighting. You keep trying to attack things the way everybody else is attacking things. And you don't realize this truth. You have the ability through Christ in you to demolish the strongholds that have set themselves up in your life. And literally strongholds means to fortify. In the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, which I would highly recommend, it talks about the fact that in ancient times, they would have these fortresses that would generally be encircled by 20-foot thick concrete walls, and then they would be up on a hill, and that would be the stronghold that would really determine the entire battle. Because they could see where the enemies are coming from, it was almost impenetrable, but if somehow you could take down the stronghold, everything else kind of follows suit, you win the war. And what Paul is saying is you need to identify what is the stronghold in terms of your thinking. And if you can somehow penetrate that, identify that and take that down, you have the ability in Christ to demolish that stronghold by Christ's divine power and begin to set your life in a different direction, a different course and take back the parts of it that you thought were out of control. And I need water. And I don't know what that is for you. For some of you, there's just this thing you almost automatically go to. I'm like, I'm not enough. And it affects your relationships. It affects how you respond to certain things. When things get emotional, when they come back into town, when you start to get in an environment that reminds you of some of that stuff from your past, it's just, I'm not enough. It's all the men in my family, dot, dot, dot. It's, I do this every time. Like, I mean, I swear I've tried so many times and then every time this happens, this is what I do. This is how I respond. This is every single time. I can't handle it. I can't make it through this. I, I just, I don't, I'm not one of those people. And here's what Proverbs says. As a man or a woman thinks in his heart, that's what he becomes. Because your thoughts direct your words, even your internal words, and your words direct your identity. So after a while, it's I am not enough. I am insecure. I can't handle this. It almost becomes who you are, and you create a neural pathway where you respond to that data. You look for circumstances to confirm what you already believe, and you stay stuck in this cycle of thinking that God has determined to set you free from. And so he says, listen, I want you to wage war with my divine power to demolish strongholds in everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I think this is what Paul meant in Romans where he's talking to Roman Christians. He's like, there's this weird thing that happens with me. I do what I don't wanna do. And then what I do wanna do, I don't do it. Like there's these things I keep, like I'm gonna do this. This is gonna be the year. I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna stop responding this way. I'm gonna stop talking to them. I'm gonna stop, like just every time this happens, this is the place I go. Every time I start to reach for these habits, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm resolved. I'm gonna be more disciplined. I'm gonna behave differently. And then the very thing that I want to do, I don't do it. And then the stuff I do wanna do, like this is my goal list. This is what I want for my future. This is good for me. I don't do those things. And Paul's like, the reason is because I've created some neural pathways, some patterns of thinking where I just respond to my environment almost automatically. And the very things that I want to do, I don't do. The very responses I want to lean into, I don't really lean into those responses. I do the opposite of what I actually want for my life. And so verse five, Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension, meaning every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. God. 
that just means what God says about you, what God says about your circumstances, what God says about you, what God says about your circumstances, what God says about you, what God says about your circumstances. We demolish every argument, every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I love this part. And we take captive every thought. I love this because it's kind of become a verse for my daughter who's in the service. So shout out to you, Brooke. But I'll sit in her bed and she'll have these thoughts because she's wired like her mama, which is an overactive conscience. And so I'll get in her bed and she'll like, I, man, I have these thoughts. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna think this. I just I keep thinking this thought. I keep having this thought over and over again. And like, I'm, I like how, how do I not think this? And so a while back, we started talking about this and came to this verse. And we'd kind of do this mental imagery around this verse of, hey, Brooke, you don't have to think this thought. Like your little eight-year-old self in Christ, this thought has no power over you. You don't have to keep going back to this. You don't have to keep thinking about these things. You don't have to keep rehearsing this in your mind. Like you can take that thought, you can throw it in prison, you can shut the door, you can lock it, throw away the key, and you can never let that thought go free again. And so we'll sit in her bed and we'll just rehearse this verse and we take captive every thought and we make every thought obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and we make every thought obedient to Christ. Some of you just need to, even if you're not feeling it right now, begin to come around that truth. There is no thinking that has power over you in Christ. There is no identity that has power over you in Christ. There is no neuro pathway that you cannot undo in Christ. And you just need to realize this reality even if you're not living in it and even if you don't believe it or even if you don't feel it. You have the ability in Christ to take every thought captive, imprison it, and then make it bow down to the truth of who Jesus says you are, of what Jesus says about your circumstances, of what Jesus said about the world around you. And it has no ability to go free unless you let it go free. Because in Christ, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You can take that, you can set it into this place where it cannot be free and it can obey Jesus and Jesus' truth about your life and about your identity. That is available. So here's what you gotta do. You have to identify your dominant patterns of thinking. Here's what I know. You will not defeat what you can't identify. If you don't identify it, you have no hope of defeating it. And here's what I know about some of us, is that you've got stuck in such a rut of thinking. You have created these deep neural pathways over a long period of time that you're responding to things, and you're reacting to things, and you're believing things that they're just not true, but they're almost automatic for you. And if you are going to get victory over those areas and take back any area of your life, you have to identify the dominant patterns of thinking in your life, and then you've got to begin to forge new patterns of thinking. So I just want to ask you this question. What's the stronghold for you? Because for some of you, there is a singular thing that is dominating the rest of your life. Like, it's the stronghold. If you can take, there's a lot of things that you think, but for some of you, there is a fortified city. There is a stronghold. There is a word you're believing. There's a circumstance that's impacted you. There's an emotion you feel. It feels like the walls keep getting thicker, but that one stronghold of thinking is determining everything else in your life. So I just wanna ask you the question, where does your mind almost automatically go? Like, what's the dominant pattern of thinking that you seem to fall into over and over and over again? And I'll just give you a couple of examples. I'm not good at relationships. You look at my history, look at my patterns, I'm not good at relationships. I'm not a good friend. 
I try, I'm just not. I'm dumb. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that originated, but I'm dumb. I can't do this. I can't be vulnerable. She wants me to be. I'm not that person. I'm not that guy. I can't. I'm a mess. I'm not a good parent. And I get through the end of a bunch of days and I just confirm how much of that is true that I'm not a good parent. I don't have anything worthwhile to say. I get into these awkward social settings and I, I, just, I know I have nothing to offer or my life just sucks. And even when it's good, I'm waiting for it to suck again. I won't measure up. I can't stop. And God knows I've tried and I can't do it. No good is gonna come from this. My dreams will never come true. I deserve how they treat me. I don't think it's right. I'm not saying this is what I signed up for, but again, with the stuff that I've walked through, like I deserve how I'm being treated. My best days are behind me. I'll never beat this addiction. They all want me to. I hate to let everybody down, but I can't get past this. I'll never get past my past. I'm always suspicious. Like I try not to be, I've worked on it. I don't feel like I can get past, I'm suspicious of everybody and everything. I can't trust anymore. My anxiety is too much. I seem to always fear. And I know the verses and I've recited the verses and I got, I'm always afraid. I'm cynical. Like I just feel like I'm always worried. I feel like I'm so weak. I am worried, I am weak, I am such a failure. And then others of them a lot more subtle. That there's some things, maybe with your background, your circumstance, something that happened in college, that there's just lies that you believe. And this is why community is so important of, hey, I'll be happy if I get whatever. And you'll find yourself in certain circumstances, that's almost your go-to because maybe at 13, your mom's like, if you just go shopping, you're gonna feel better. And so now there's an Amazon addiction you can't get out of. And every time it's like, well, if I just do this, it's gonna be better. Or sex is gonna make it better because it's some, somewhere along the line, that became a solution for me. Others of, a, uh, of us, my situation is different. Or as, as long as I don't hurt anybody and I'm justifying behaviors that I would never recommend to somebody else, as long as nobody knows or I deserve this because of what's happened in my past, I'm telling you, this is why we have this thing called next steps. You should get into next steps because it's really the best next step for anybody at our church to get into community, an interest group, a community group, serve with other people in community because sometimes you need other people to reveal that to you. Sometimes you need to express out loud, here's what I'm thinking and somebody lovingly needs to tell you, man, your thoughts are off the rails. Like that's not leading to a good place. Where did you pick that up? Why do you think that? But the reality is you have created a dominant pattern of thinking that has created neural pathways that is leading you into your actions, your behaviors, your responses, how you view the world around you. And here's the thing, man, and if you're not sure about the Jesus thing, I get. This part sounds weird and ethereal and whatever, and you don't have to believe it, but we believe from the scriptures that we have an enemy. And his name is Satan. And the scripture says, in John 8, that when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. And here's his tactics. In fact, there's something called the illusory truth effect, which says this, this is so crazy. This will tell you so much about culture. That if you just repeat a lie long enough, psychologists would say from their studies, you'll believe it. 
It's the only thing you have to do. Just repeat a lie long enough and you will eventually believe the lie no matter how absurd the lie is. And here is the reality. I just want you to hear this for a second. You have an enemy that is after you to steal, to kill, and destroy your life. And his major tactic is this. I'm gonna lie to you long enough till you actually begin to believe the lies. You begin to respond to the lies. You begin to identify with the lies and then your life is lived out of those lies. All the while Jesus is offering, I wanna give you life and life to the full. And even in a sin-infested, troubled world, you can live differently. You can live with love, joy, and peace. But you have listened to these lies for so long that you've begun to believe them. And it's taken you into a course of life and action and responses that are contrary to what Jesus has for your life. And the enemy knows, I cannot destroy your life. So my best next option is to just get you to believe lies about your life so that you sabotage you and you never walk in to what God has for you in terms of your destiny and his will for you. So the first thing you got to do is identify your dominant pattern of thinking. The second thing is you have to create a new dominant pattern of thinking. So what Paul's talking about, he says you need to renew your mind, you need to renovate your mind, you need to restore your mind. You need, you need to identify the stronghold you need to go to war against it and you need to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ that is directing all the rest of your life. You've got to identify where you've been. You've got to replace it with something new and it is going to require you to do war. It is going to be tiresome. It's not going to be easy, but if you are ever going to take back your life, this is where it starts. What is your dominant patterns of thinking and what do you need to replace it with? So I just want to give you... A couple examples and we're gonna be done. This is what it looks like and here's what I would recommend. It's not on the screen. You need to write it down. In some cases, you need to attach a, a scripture to it and then you need to say it out loud and rehearse it as much as you can. You need to write it down. You need to attach a scripture to it and then you need to say it out loud as much as you possibly can. So you identify like this is the stronghold for me. This is where my mind and my thinking keeps going. This is what is actually true. And this is what God says. And so I'm gonna begin to bow to the knowledge of God over my life, over who I am and over what he has for me and what's actually true about my circumstances. So you get on a three by five card, you write on a mirror, you put it on your dashboard, you frame it, you put it in a journal, you get it somewhere. And as basic as that is, you have got to begin to do war against the strongholds in your mind that have allowed some of your life to get out of control. And so I don't know what it is for you. I'll give you a couple examples. I'm a mess. No, actually you are forgiven and you're made new in Christ. I won't measure up. Actually, the scripture says that God knew you before the foundation of the world and you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. No good's gonna come from this. No, I know you don't see any good coming from this because you're waging war with the weapons of the world and you're looking at all that you see right now. But the scripture actually says that God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yes, he will. I'll never beat this addiction. And actually the scripture says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ and sin has no dominion over you. I'm not a good parent. And if you knew what I was working with, it makes a lot of sense, but I'm not a, new, a good parent. But the truth of renewing and restoring and renovating your mind says, no, 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 I have a perfect heavenly father who's gonna help show me the way even though nobody else did. My best days are behind me. No, actually because Jesus walked up out of a grave alive, your best days are ahead of you. 
I'm never going to get past my past. You may not because you're stuck in a pattern of thinking when Jesus says, I've taken your past and I've flung it as far as the east is from the west. I've moved past it. I've already created a future for you, not even in spite of your past, but because of your past. And it all has to do with what you choose to think about your situation and your reality, or I'm just a failure. But God says, I'm a child of God with a divine destiny. Or I'll be happy if I could just get, and you were on this treadmill of, like, if I could just get this, if I could just get to that place, and maybe somebody sold you that lie somewhere along the way, but the truth is actually this. I have all that I need in Christ. Psalm 5110, you are a sun and a shield, unlimited resource and protection, and no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or you're in this place of, I'm just a failure. I'm just a failure. I just feel like a failure. No, no, you are a new creation in Christ. And come on, this isn't saying that you ignore reality. This isn't saying, well, I'm just gonna do this because I can do anything if I put my mind to it. No, you can't. You may suck at that thing and you need community and somebody to tell you it's not gonna happen no matter how much you practice, you just suck. And I'm gonna love you enough to tell you that, right? This isn't ignoring what has happened or what is happening. It's saying you do not have to respond the way that you're responding. You do not have to live under that. There is a greater reality. And this is not, oh, this is just positive thinking. No, to quote Levi Lesko, this isn't positive thinking without God. This is positive thinking in response to God. You've been living under lies. You've created neural pathways that are not true about your life. And it's not the promise that there's not trouble, but there is the promise that you can live different in spite of it. You can live with love, joy, and peace. So let me just end by speaking over you what is true, even if you don't feel it. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a son and a daughter of God, no matter what hell you're walking through right now. You have a divine destiny and will and purpose, and you will not step out of it because God is way bigger than that. And God has something for your life and your best days are not behind you because Jesus walked out of a grave alive. And now the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you people. And now the reality is that sin has no master over you. Fear cannot overtake you. Insecurity cannot destroy you. Death one day will not be able to touch you. And you are worth Jesus regardless of what you are saying to you, what others are saying to you, what your circumstances are screaming to you because it's economics 101. Whatever somebody is willing to pay for something, that's its worth. And Jesus gave up his life for you, which means you are worth Jesus. This isn't positive thinking without God. This is the most honoring thing that you can do to go, this is why you died on a cross and walked out of a grave alive so that I could live differently. And Jesus did not stutter when he said, I want to lead you into life and life to the full. And you can take back what is out of control because I walked up out of a grave alive. And so it's why we are commanded. I want you to rejoice always, even when you don't feel it. I want you to think on those things that are true and right and noble and of good report, not because your circumstances are great, but because I want you to direct your thinking into a different place to live in a different plane, to take back what is out of control. And you don't fight with the weapons of the world. You fight with the artillery of the army of God that says you can take down that stronghold by the power of the the, the crucified and resurrected Jesus that now is in you and has given you the ability to demolish any pretension, any lie, any stronghold that sets itself up against the truth of who Christ says you are and what he says about your circumstances. So I just wanna encourage some of you. 
because you've tried. This is one of those messages, like after the 9 a.m., they're like, you got to slow down. And like, I get it feeling so much, I can't stop myself. So go back, listen to the podcast on like half speed and slow me way down. But like, man, you've tried over and over and over again. And it's not a huge mystery. You've tried everything to fight with the weapons of this world and just do better and try harder. And it doesn't work. You have no ability to change you. It is only in Christ. And if you're not sure about the Christ thing, that's the invitation. If you begin to follow Jesus, Jesus has the ability to transform things in your life that you never thought were possible. And so this is my paraphrase. I want you guys to just stand with me as we close. Renew your mind by identifying your mental strongholds and demolishing them up against what Jesus says is true. That's the summary. And here's what I'll tell you. It will not happen automatically. It will not happen overnight. It will take a lot of work but you can sow and reap your way in a completely different direction. And it starts in your mind. And I'm just telling you, you were meant to thrive, not just survive. And I don't care what you're walking through. I don't care what your circumstances look like. And the starting gate is I'm going to take back my thinking in order to take back my life. And Jesus, I need you. So I'm gonna identify the stronghold, my dominant pattern of thinking. I'm gonna begin to replace it and I need your help to not give up. And then I'm gonna surrender to you that you're gonna start transforming some things at the level of my identity and my worth and my view of the world that I have not been able to do for myself. And I'm trusting that you are going to lead me into the life that you've promised me. I'm not waiting for heaven when I die. We've been called to bring in the kingdom now. I want that life right now. Let's pray. Jesus, you can clap. I'm sorry to cut that off. Go ahead. Let me, let me just pray for us real quick. Jesus, I thank you so much. Um, and I thank you for what you've given us. And we so underestimate it. There are promises and there are words that have so much power behind them. For a lot of us, we've become inoculated to it. And so it just doesn't move us. We don't believe it. And so I just, I just pray for that. I just pray that you would help us to believe what is true. Before we even start doing anything with what has just been said, just the reality of we serve a resurrected Savior. He's called us to follow him. He promised us life to the full that isn't for heaven. It's life that starts right now. That we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and crap is gonna hit the fan and stuff's gonna get hard. But we don't wage war. We don't see things the way the world does. We don't use any of those weapons. We have the power of Christ in us to identify strongholds of thinking, to renew and renovate our minds, to charge against everything that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive because there is no thought that is outside of our control in Christ. We take every thought captive and we make it obey resurrected Jesus. So God, as we take a step of faith to believe that if we do what we can do, you will bring what we can't. And that is transformation of our lives. That's what we are praying for. That's what we are believing. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.